and welcome to Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition. Well, there's only one thing that we should mention at the top of the show. It is that Hamburg is brown and white. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Hamburg is brown and white. And joining me, Nick Wiltong, to discuss all of that is Mike Krukemeyer. Oh, 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 hang on, hang on. Turns out Mike actually has other more important stuff to do than talk about his favorite team winning the biggest match of the year. He's actually off gallivanting, listening to some Danish music. And this is a probably big relief because otherwise this podcast would be a monologue for its entirety. I'm still being joined by Jasmine Baba. How are you doing there, Bremen? I am all good. I'm sure that more people would want a monologue from you than to listen to me. So don't worry. Well, I don't buy it. In this <laughs> episode, we'll be talking about the Hamburg Derby and what a derby it was. Another coach has been given the boot in the Bundesliga 2. We have a surprising uh, top team of the league. And there, of course, click fire up talking points and loads and loads and loads of lower league news coming your way. So all of that is to come. Here is part one of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. It's Nick Biltagen being joined by Jasmine Barber, talking about all things Bundesliga 2. And Jasmine, let's start with the Hamburg derby. Let's get, you know, the ugliness of it out of the way before we start talking about the actual match. Because once again, German police, big crowds, big rivalries. The German police, they do, from time to time, have a bit of an issue handling that, right? And for some reason, it feels a little bit more this season than other seasons. I feel like we've had to touch on the subject more than usual. Is it sort of like a COVID hangover that police officers haven't gotten enough punches into football fans for two years and now they're really gearing up towards something here? I think, yeah, that has been a attitude problem for like a lot of people and not only police but obviously police as well but I think it was one of you guys who mentioned sometime last season that the police were gearing up the Bundespolizei so the federal police not ones that are to a certain district area but the actual whole country federal police is gearing up and kind of in training for the Euros in 2024. And I feel like that is a big part of it. So for people who weren't on Twitter, did not see some of the commotion, it is allegedly the case that St. Pauli fans tried to rush a barrier to get to the away fans. And in stopping these fans, police uh, used resistance but there were twitter videos being shared of a couple of cases where they had restrained a fan and then took extra kick punches to the ribs to the head while already restrained yeah, basically punching out the living daylights of, of the person in question who yeah. cannot you know, do any resistance because he is already restrained to such an extent he cannot move. Yeah, he was already restrained. There was no need in any case. And even weirdly, it was the Hamburg police Twitter account who tried to, 
I'm, I'm talking in like apostrophes here because they try to clear up the situation and say some of these fans we used resistance against and we had to use resistance against them. So they're basically saying it happened, but this was not something that needed resistance. They, it was someone they already restrained. So yeah, it, once again, we're seeing really, really shitty police scenes. It's really baffling when you have the video evidence on hand that clearly shows that the police officer in question is probably not a person who should be a police officer at all, given his actions there. And I mean, people can have a bad day at work and all that, yes, but uh, if you're a police officer, it shouldn't be that bad. But I mean, the evidence is there. He's basically king of the shit out of the guy. A guy who cannot kick back hit back, do anything. It's violence. Yeah. It's, it's, it's violence. It's just violence for violence's sake. And that is really not what you expect of a police officer. And that's not what you expect from a police force that rushes in with hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, if your job is to calm down the situation, which is sort of the job description of the police at these matches, this is truly not the way to do it. And the fact that somebody sitting in front of a computer screen who, you know, should have a more clear and sober hat says, you know what, I kind of sent out a tweet defending that. It just goes to show how far German police are willing to go to defend their own, even though when the evidence is plainly inside that this is indefensible. To be fair, at least they didn't sweep it under the carpet. They could have said there was no resistance, to be fair. So they admitted it, which is a big step. Well, baby steps, (laughs) baby steps, you know. (laughs) Baby steps, so we're getting there. But yeah, with the other scenes that we've seen in the Spider-Liga, but also, you know, what happened between in the first tier of football when uh, Werder Bremen away fans got stopped and turned away at Wolfsburg, because they were like, oh, there'll be clashes with rival fans. What? Wolfsburg fans, I asked that. It just seems to be this increase of really nasty tactics from police kind of everywhere trickling down. And I'm, I'm guessing it is to do with the planning of the Euros 2024 um, more than... I mean, it's also to do with some police... Well, the Institute of Police being a bad thing and what they're based on, but I think it's ramped up because of, as you said, COVID two years and also the Euros coming up. Great. Love great football, fantastic stadiums, lovely beer, and being kicked by the police. Come to the Euros 2024. Anyways, uh, let's turn to the match. Well, I mean, the match ended 3-0, and it was it was a really heated affair, which uh, saw Sean Lau, HSV defender, being red-carded after 28 minutes. Now, a lot has been made of that event in the German press because Tim Walter decided to not replace his defender, basically leave his midfield and attack as is. Whilst, you know, most coaches usually would have said, okay, I'll take off an attacker and replace him with a defender. (laughs) You are the tactics expert here. What do you make of the move? Because, well, you know, could it have paid off? Probably in other games, but not this game. I think the lineup, it wasn't that it was unbalanced, but I think I would have started someone like Sonny Kittle on the left wing and not Königsdorfer 
And I think that led to a lot of imbalance of the team. I have to give Valta credit for not making any change and sticking to it because let's be honest, you lose a defender while you're playing a 4-3-3 and you're just basically playing a 3-3-3. That's not the worstly impacted lineup that you can have. You still got your two fullbacks, you can pull method a bit back and you have quite a balanced squad still. It was just the kind of Koenigsdorfer for Kittel that I didn't understand and I think that cost them more than anything because that cost them the red card thing, cost them not to create that much. It cost them like all those things that they had been good at. Koenigsdorfer is very, very skilled, very talented, but he has a tendency to... He still just needs to fine-tune his decision-making of when to lay off balls and when not to run into two defenders and lose the ball. And Pauli still, despite their weaknesses this season, they are still very good at counter-attacks. They're very good at speeding forward. They're very good at fast transitions. They're built for that. They've stuck with that. And losing the ball on the edge of your box just to turn it over like that was always going to create a very tough situation for Hamburg. So yeah, I think it takes balls to not sub on a different defender and just stick with your tactic. I think it worked until the second half where it got a bit more tiring. And yeah, from there it just kind of fell apart. But you know, you're rarely, unless you're someone like Bayern Munich, you're rarely going to... (laughs) This is going to be funny seeing as the next match we're probably going to analyse, but it's very rare from 10 men that early on to turn around a game. So it's it's probably better that they thought, oh, we'll just stick to our game plan, which is fair enough. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, some party won this one 3-0, which gave them some relief in the battle against relegation. Hamburg now uh, lost the top position in the table and was overtaken by Darmstadt and Paderborn is ahead of them on a better goal difference. So what do you make of these two teams then, Darmstadt and Paderborn? Are they really capable of making a push for, you know, being top dog at the end of the season? Well, it depends who ends up as Herbmeister. As we know, whoever ends up first after half the midway point does not get promoted and we saw that last season too so it depends on which one of them comes first if they come first Paderborn obviously uh, lost two games of their last five recently won two Darmstadt as well and the other to Greutherford because that makes sense but honestly it's it's a bit too early to say I said this last week and I've said it again you have to turn an eye to how crazy the league is this season. For instance, Holstein Kiel's now sixth. They've only won two games in a row, two games of their last five. They're now gone up to sixth. There are nine points, or uh, actually, it's better to say, there are seven points between second last in 17th place and seventh. We know, we've seen a team coming in from 8th finish in the top 3 before that was third team last season actually, 8th to 2nd so I wouldn't rule anyone out just yet but yeah, Darmstadt have a good defence 
Actually, the best defences go to Hamburg and Heidenheim, who was smashing it on defence before they conceded three to Pauli. Paderborn have a fantastic, still smashing everyone in offence. So, yeah, you would say those are the better looking teams right now. But even now, I can't say, yep, definitely them. But the only gap really is between fourth and third, which is five points. Everyone else is bunched together. But we've seen those big gaps been overturned before. Yeah, I mean, there's still a few teams back there in that cluster of teams that is really tightly packed that we at the start of the season would have thought should do a lot better by now. I mean, there's Fortuna Düsseldorf, who all of us, I think, had as a candidate to go up, me, you and Mike. Then there is Nuremberg, who we, you know, sort of held as outsiders. I had them down as lower... (laughs) Lower table. I've not been wrong that one. No, you haven't. You haven't. But I mean, it's it's a notoriously unpredictable league, and you know, additionally, mm. Braunschweig <laughs> are now. Uh, no, we all had Braunschweig down as rock bottom, and they're now unbeaten in five in eleventh with fifteen points. I I don't think any of us would have predicted that. But as I said, the only game Greuther Fert have won this season is against Paderborn. If you would have predicted me that, actually, I predict those things because it's stupid and it makes sense and it does come true. And it, it's not predictable. The only reason that I get to predict this is because I go, ah, oh, that's not predictable, so that will happen. So, yeah, it's just not worth it. <laughs> Don't predict this league, guys. It's stupid. <laughs> It'll make your mind melt. I mean... If you want to bet on something, bet on something else than the Bundesliga 2. Anyways, uh, you mentioned Reutervoort there. Uh, they sacked their coach. Yes. Mark Schneider, no more. <laughs> 2-2 draw against Hansa Rostock. His team led twice. Twice. I think it was actually one of their better matches. And now he's gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at Schalke, they would have said, oh, the team showed a reaction. Great. We'll give him another chance. Even if he'd lost 3-0. No, Schalke goes, we have no money. We need Grimotzis off our books before we can hire a new coach. So that's what's happening there. Um, it's a bit of an odd one at Greutherford because he was supposed to go... Well, first of all, Mark Schneider is the king of losing a lead. They have led so many times into the last five minutes and just drawn. Most of their results are draws. But we thought he was a goner after the Magdeburg match. And that was it. He hadn't won. He lost against Magdeburg 2-1, who were around third bottom. I lost where they are in the midst of the relegation. And Susie said, no, he's staying. He wins against Paderborn 2-1. Everyone's like, great, this is going to go good. And then he draws against Sandhausen, draws against Fert. We imagine he still stays because Azuzi normally backs his guy. There hasn't been anything else. I mean, five points from the last three matches is basically half their points in three matches. And we're on match day 12. So you actually can see sort of a tendency that things are starting to turn around. Yep. And then they look like an absolute nailed-on win against Hansa Rostock, who's down to 10 men in the match. And they lose it again in, like, the last moments to draw 2-2. And apparently that was the trigger. Of all the things! Yeah. Well, this is where I think what's happened. I think someone has become available that they can get. That not, These things don't happen for no reason, Normally, especially when they, as you said, half their points in the last four matches is 
half the points they got all season. So it looked like they were turning it around. Mm, maybe a former Chelsea coach. Oh, mm. yes, Tuchel's available. Imagine if Tuchel just rocked up at third. That would do the spite of Bundesliga numbers and kind of uh, publicity and viewings. I mean, the only thing, and you know, Thomas Tuchel is a magnificent coach and a difficult character, from what I understand. But the only thing I always ever see with Thomas Tuchel is that one ear is bigger than the other. And, you know, it sort of has sort of like a slight edge. I have not noticed that. So if I start noticing it now, I'm going to... Just no. just look at his ears. Just look I'm at not going to I mean, look at his ears. Um, look at his ears. <laughs> maybe you'll get Pellegrino or something. Like, that's... That he, as Susie has said, has actually said, so this is why I believe someone has become available. As Susie said, maybe a bigger name is possible. Okay, so let's... It's probably not Tuchel then. Maybe Robert Klaus? I mean, he's gone from Nuremberg. Maybe Adi Hutter? I, I, I'm just joking about Adi Hutter. Maybe Adi Hutter. They lost out on Marcus Weinzel. Uwe Neuhaus, maybe? I don't know if he's considered a bigger name. But he's been available for some time, Uwe Neuhaus. Yeah, I that's mean... also true. So it has to be one of the new... Maybe it's Ulo Forte. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bigger name than Mark Schneider, to be fair. At least but... on social media, yes. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <Oui>. <laughs> well, exciting stuff then, uh, going on at third. Uh, maybe not the most rational decision-making, but uh, once the new coach comes in, maybe it looks slightly more rational, but we'll have to see about that. Well, talking about, uh, you know, big names, the biggest name of this match day was actually a player who didn't play at all. His name is Marcel Franke, and he usually plays in defense for Karlsruhe SC. So why should he be the man of the match, or maybe even the man of the season? He missed the Darmstadt game this week, and that was for a very good cause indeed. Um, it goes back all the way to his old club while he was playing at Great Effort, who had been more on the side of awareness fighting against blood cancer for quite a few years. At the start of the 2016 season, the fans organised a fundraising campaign in the favour of a charitable organisation who organises the registration of stem cells donors. And loads of fans registered themselves and so did some of the players. And uh, Marcel Franca was one of the players who registered. And eight years later, it turned out that he was close to a potential stem cell donation. And the probability was low, but then they rang him and said, actually, it's a match. So he had to go in and donate stem cells. And for anyone who knows anything about donating stem cells, it's not easy. It is not easy at all. It's uh, it's painful. It's painful. It, it's a long process as well. You have to go for so many weeks, like once a week to I'm not, I can't remember the actual specifics, but it includes injecting yourself to, so they can acquire extra stem cells. They take it from your back. I think, do you have to be under anesthetic for it? I don't know. I've, I've never been part of a process, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it, it, it's quite painful. And yeah, it, it takes a lot out of you. So he missed the game to do that. And, you know, I think it's, 
such an awareness and there's a broader taboo about stem cells in Germany. I think there's there's certain laws where it's not as freely available as in other countries. I think, I don't know the specifics. I'm not going to bore you with the specifics. <laughs> but yeah, so it is for anything that could really help the awareness of donating stem cells and blood cancers and cancers that are related to stem cell cures. It's been a perfect kind of event to shine light on something like that on top. So yeah, well done, Marcel Franke. Yep. And if you listen to that and think, well, he's a good guy, well, you can be a good guy too and uh, sign up to do just the same. Maybe you will get the same phone call as well because stem cell donors are needed. So the more people sign up, the more lives are going to be saved. Anyways, moving on to the quick fire talking points in part one. Let me start with the one and that is Bielefeld are still, uh, let me look at my notes and let me look, look at, look, look at the results. They're still shit. Shit. I mean, that was my notes. Nick stole them from me. Yeah. Usually I write the script, but this week I actually had a rather busy week. And, uh, you know, Hanover 96 won against Bielefeld on the weekend uh, rather handily. Uh, Teuchert Nielsen getting the goals, 2-0 win. But Bielefeld, I mean, they've changed coaches and they've done this and that. And uh, now they've actually lost three in a row. Lost four of the last five. But they won once. So they're doing better than... Twice. Well, once with the new manager in the and in that five. So they're doing better and worse than third, who were also relegated with them. So it's not understandable. Anyways, <laughs> one one last team we should maybe cover ever so slightly. Any thoughts on Heidenheim who lost three one against Kiel on the weekend? I no. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand Heidenheim, but I think I've kinda of covered everyone that doesn't make any sense right now. Maybe Heidenheim, Mike is right. Heidenheim's never going to get promoted and Sandhausen's never going to get relegated. So yeah, that's my thoughts on Heidenheim. They're just so good. at They're a jack of all trades, but a master of none. I feel that is my feeling about Heidenheim right now. And I'm really sad because I really wanted them to go up or near to go up <laughs> this season. Almost did one year, but, well, they lost that uh, relegation playoff match against... Uh, it's time to take a break, and we'll be right back with all the news you need to know from the lower divisions. Welcome back to part two of Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition, and now it's time to dive into some lower league news. Well, there are actually some coaching news uh, from the lower divisions that I think we should cover, and one of them is that FZ Saarbrücken, a team that has played in the Bundesliga before, comes from the lovely Saarland. They have sacked their coach Uwe Koshinat after 11 matches. I mean, why? Why Why would they do that? I mean, they, they're not you know, in a relegation place in the Dirty Liga. No. And he hasn't really had an awful lot of time at Zabrücken. So why would they do that? I'm not too sure. This is one that has scratched my head a little bit. Maybe Zabrücken fans can get in touch and tell us why. 
Koshinat's been around. Like, it's that weird thing where we get a coach that's been at nearly every club on this podcast, including um, Sheila and others. Sheila's the first one that comes to mind. But yeah, Koshinat wasn't doing it like that badly. They're not that far off the promotion places. And they had sacked him after he was winless in only three games. And he lost one to Rottweiss-Essen, and Rottweiss-Essen is quite lower down the table, especially when they played them. They drew to Freiburg's Fai, which honestly, there's no shame in that because I think their coaches, Thomas Stamm is their coach, and um, he's, he's a great coach. I think he'll be taking over at Freiburg soon, um, soon enough. And also Mannheim, who's quite close, it's very, very tight games, and he had been doing okay apart from that. So the reason to sack him after those three, not quite sure. The Saarbrücken manager, Rudiger Ziel, said um, they managed to establish themselves as a third league club, like a, a stay basically with Koshinat, but they want to go in a new direction. They don't feel like they could progress any more with him, which I guess is fair enough of an explanation. I don't see it completely myself, but it's a fair enough explanation. But what's kind of bitter is that had they've been struggling recently with quite a few severe injuries. Dominic Ernst is out, Mike France is out, Kasim Rabahic is out, Robin Troy is out, and Adriana Grimaldi are all out. So he hasn't even had the players for the last few games and he's done okay with that. So yeah, it's a bit of a weird one that could blow up in their faces. Maybe not this season, but could be. And also, why sack him now when we just had an international break? Yeah. It's always a weird one. It's, you know, football business. It's terribly rational. Um, <laughs> I mean, anyways, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's surprising, uh, to say the least, because before those two losses, they were beaten in, I think, eight or nine. Mm. Uh, and did rather well on them and had, you know, the, besides conceding uh, four goals in two Two, two draws. <laughs> it's a bit of a Mouthful. tongue breaker. They uh, they actually didn't concede in any of the other matches. Um, so he stabilized the defense. The attack looked decent enough. So I mean, why why do something if it works? I mean that that sort of thing leaves me always wondering if there were some internal issues that haven't been you know communicated publicly or haven't come out in public. Because um, I mean, from a rational point of view, you're doing well enough in the Dritte Liga. You know, you're still in with a shout for a promotion spot. Why do it? I, I don't get it. But I don't know all of it. Anyways, uh, other coaching news is that Ersan Palatan joins Offenbacher Kickers as head coach. Now, you might not have heard that name before, but it's an interesting name. And uh, Jasmine, can you explain me why? Well, if you listen to this podcast, you should know the name because we did talk about him, didn't we? He was hired from very, very recently as an assistant coach at Nuremberg FC after Schweini's brother. What's it? Basti Schweinsteiger's brother's name? I should really know. Tobias. Tobias. Toby Schweinsteiger. I'm going to go on first name, nickname basis now. Tobias Schweinsteiger left Nuremberg as an assistant coach to go at coach at Osnabrück. They hired Palatan to take over for 
as him and when Robert Klaus went he also went so he only lasted around 20 days at Nuremberg but yep he got the job at Kickers Offenbach which if you don't know who was there before ex Dinamo Dresden manager Alexander Schmidt was there did terribly got fired so Palatan has taken over for him and with good results he's won his first game it's all very recent they had an i think they had an interim for a good two weeks well a month in real terms but with the international break yeah won his first game at stuttgart's and is now at kickers off and back yeah an interesting short-lived time at nuremberg and now in the state of hessen well 10 points from the last four matches for kickers offenbach but uh still nine points removed from tabletop as ssv ulum now, well, there's another name that you are familiar with if you know your Bundesliga history. Let's turn to our favorite Regionalliga, and that is the Regionalliga Nord-Ost. Babelsberg, sponsored by Oatly. Vegan food, which uh, caused uh, the German football publication Elf Freunde to come up with the headline, Yes, Vegan, which uh, I thought was... Uh, Funny in a dad joke kind of way. <laughs> yes, vegan. <laughs> I was just about to say you would love that as a dad yes, joke. I, yeah, I, you, I, I absolutely. <laughs> did. Are you sure you didn't come up with that one? <laughs> I didn't write that article. I've uh, written a couple of articles for Elfron in the past, but I didn't come up with that. I've nothing to do with that brilliant piece of journalism. Anyways, uh, but Babelsberg, well, they were in the news once again. What happened this time around, Jasmine? Yeah, unfortunately not the greatest of news, but when they were at an away game at Greifswalder, which Mike, didn't he do a ground hopping tour at Greifswald? That that sounds very familiar this season. You don't know, so I'm just going to keep talking about this news story and Mike can confirm on our next episode if he did, because I'm sure he did. Or one of you fans can, anyway. But unfortunately, three Babelsberg's fan buses were attacked at a rest stop in their awake match at Greifswalders. And the, all three buses said to have been badly damaged. According to the club's stones and bottles were thrown. So they were hooded perpetrators who threw stones and bottles at fans and the coaches. Some of them were injured. All coaches were badly damaged. And Babelsberg obviously condemns the attack and hopes that the perpetrators will be identified and arrested as soon as possible. So, yeah, as we said, everyone's getting a little bit out of control. Like, almost that the two years, the last two years have have caused everyone to forget how to be a human being and just enjoy football matches without this kind of BS. So it's not great for anyone involved. And yeah, speedy recovery. And I hope those coaches also get uh, repaired because the thing is about German football and the way fan scene is that Everything, actually, just the way, the fan scene in general, so much is done by people and clubs and organizations to make sure you can, like, get bus, get travel, and, you know, have a great time and a safe time, mostly. And then stuff like this happens, and it's like, what's the point? And we talked about it last episode as well with the Dresden fans basically burning every city that they are going on an away match with. And it's just getting a bit tiring. Stop being 
shitheads when you go to football. Stop damaging things. Stop vandalizing. You know, stop hurting people. We shouldn't have to say this. It's tiring. We just want to watch football and support our team. So please cut it out and get vaccinated if you're <laughs> might as well put a vaccination message because we haven't had one of those in a while and it feels relevant yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably gonna get my fourth shot very soon if i get that fourth one i got um, i got mine fourth <laughs> on saturday and i if anyone goes in for their pfizer omicron jab and you've been fine the last three just take a day extra day rest it will do you the world of good great Anyways, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to get my flu shot very soon as well. So you're fully updated <laughs> on our vaccine passes. And well, yeah, I got vaccinated in the state of Bleem. Some people cannot Marcus Anfang supposedly didn't do yeah, it. Uh, yeah, so I said, <laughs> go to the football, enjoy yourself, support your team. Do not tack rival fans. Do not tack rival buses. Do not throw fireworks at people. You can light flares, just don't throw fireworks and be vaccinated and mask up in indoor close spaces. It's not that hard. Indeed. Anyways, I think it's uh, time to put some more egg on our faces. Uh, I kindly didn't uh, remind ourselves of the fact that we predicted that Darmstadt would be at the bottom end of the table and fire Torsten Lieberknecht by Christmas. In the first segment? It will be the other way round. Oh, well, there you They'll go. will be bottom by the end. No, I don't mean that. He's proven us wrong. talk about Darmstadt? He's yeah. proven us wrong. He's proven us wrong. But anyways, uh, the, the egg that we can place on our face uh, ahead of next episode is about the DFB Pokal because this here episode is going to air after Tuesday. And as it turns out, all lower league sides that are still in the cup the DFB Pokal, all sides from the third division and downwards are playing on Tuesday. So um, doing a preview doesn't really make any sense, but let us just walk down their names and, uh, you know, uh, give them some praise because Mannheim, Stuttgarter Kickers, VfB Lübeck, Elversberg are still in the cup. So it's uh, these four sides from the third division and downwards. Now, which of these sides are most likely to pull off an uh, unexpected result if you had to pick one which would be i think i i would pick two i would say probably elfersburg against bochum because bochum haven't looked very good this season in even though they've got thomas lech is still rb rb tactics rb tactics maybe that's why elfersburg would lose because they actually play better football <laughs> oh wait oh <laughs> Maybe that's a bit too pointed. And then I would probably have to say Waldhof Mannheim against Nuremberg because I think Nuremberg are still trying to find their feet from... They have just haven't been very good and they're still finding their feet. So I would have to go those two. And I can't really say which one more than the other. You know, I mean, my pick would have been Stuttgart Kickers against Eintracht Frankfurt simply because Eintracht Frankfurt can be quite a moody team at times, uh, varying in results. So it would be sort of like... I mean, they're went out of the cup after winning it in the first round the, the year after. Huh. So, I mean, there were basically just a couple of months between winning the cup and going out of the cup in the first round for Eintracht Frankfurt. So, um, who knows? 
I mean, they're called the moody diva from the mine in the German press. <laughs> to be fair, we should probably just quickly predict all the other ones because there's all, all the other ones that include Spider Bundesliga sites because there's quite a few. Damn it. I mean, that's going to be an awful lot of egg on our face. Uh, Mannheim, Nuremberg, I'm going to say that Nuremberg wins that one. Uh, uh, Stuttgart kickers, I say win against Frankfurt too, you know. But we've got Leipzig, Hamburg. <laughs> Leipzig, Hamburg, I say, well, if. We're all going Hamburg. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's going to be no, Hamburg. I mean, we want it's Hamburg in our hearts, but I think I, I think they play in a way that Leipzig like to play against. So, uh, unfortunately, especially with the St. Pauli match, I can't see Hamburg actually winning that. Um, Braunschweig Wolfsburg will be fun. That's an interesting one. I think that Braunschweig actually can pull over that upset here. Yep. Home same. match. Darmstadt Gladbach. Mm. I, I, I do not. I don't. Uh, that's equal. That I think they both have equal chances of winning in that one, which is very hard. I think Gladbach just edge them out on quality, and Darmstadt still have been a little bit lucky on scoring goals recently. There've been a lot of Patrick Pfeiffer goals recently, rather than natural forwards. <laughs> Elvisburg against Bochum. I, I, you know, I was prepared to say Bochum. You apparently say Elvisburg. Mm-hmm. Hoffenheim against Schalke is a Bundesliga match. So that's uh, <laughs> not for long. Not for long. <laughs> uh, Freiburg against St. Pauli. Uh, I actually say Pauli actually have a decent chance here. Yeah, I agree with you. Freiburg looked a bit hungover from Europa weeks. Now they just looked a little bit tired. They looked. Really, really bad against Bayern on the weekend. Um, I think Pauli can still be a uh, disruptive nature to more organised sides. Paderborn against Werder Bremen. I think it would be a very Werder thing to do to actually lose that match. To lose, lose that one? Yeah, we're both like... Paderborn are a good side, again, with the disruptive nature. I, don't, I think Paderborn play in a way that... Verda will find tricky, but then sometimes Paderborn does like to play with the ball and then just lose it and be a bit bad at defence at times. So, yeah, it could, again, equal. Hanover Dortmund. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to probably go Dortmund. Dortmund haven't looked great either. But neither have... I'm still not sold on Hanover. I mean, Hanover have a Norwegian striker. Dortmund haven't anymore. Oh, so you're, okay, we're going Hanover. <laughs> going. I mean, what Dortmund really needs is a Norwegian striker. I mean, that seems to be apparent after the start of the season they've been having. I mean, if you told me at the start of the season after 10 matches that Dortmund would be on a negative goal difference and in 8th or ninth after 10 match days at the start of the season, if you told me that, I, I think you'd, you'd be drinking something that... I, you know, would have gotten my hands on. But anyways, uh, Zantausen against Karlsruhe, that's a uh, pure Bundesliga too much. I, you know, I'm going to go Zantausen there, actually, because uh, they're just the sort of team that edges through on nastiness, disruptive play. Yeah, I can see them both being... Karlsruhe have been better the last few weeks, which I hate to admit. I don't know what my problem is with Karlsruhe, but I apparently have one with them. But yeah, I'd agree with you there. Stuttgart Bielefeld, Stuttgart with a new coach, maybe. Oh, if it's Alfred Schroeder, I'm going Bielefeld. Even a Bielefeld wouldn't have to play. If it's Schroeder, I'm still going Bielefeld. But then he would also have to leave Ajax, and I just don't see it at the moment. 
but I don't rate Schroeder at all. If they get the Copenhagen coach, the X one, yes, a top group. Yeah, then maybe I think they would be slightly better with him than Schroeder. Mm, Schroeder, crazy mm. bastard. Union Berlin against Heidenheim, which used to be a Bundesliga two match for a very long time, which now is a Bundesliga side against a Bundesliga two side. I actually going to go Union. Yeah, I, th- I think we have to. And the last one? Uh, well, I mean, I'm looking at Augsburg Bayern and I think, well, this should be a Bundesliga two side against the Bundesliga side, but Augsburg are still in the Bundesliga. Anyways, and then uh, Regensburg against Fortuna Düsseldorf, which I say. Neither. Fortuna Düsseldorf. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. Um, Düsseldorf should win, but Regensburg, I mean, Regensburg won against Kaiserslautern, which isn't really saying that much. I saw that match and I, you know, I was impressed by the efficiency, to say the least. <laughs> and Dusseldorf, and, but that's what Dusseldorf are lacking right now. They're just empty up front. The kind of pre-season problems with the no open play goals is kind of rearing its ugly head again. And no one knows why. Well, there you go. Anyways, we said we weren't going to do a preview and then we did. And yeah. you're going to listen to it after all the matches have been played, probably. So, yeah, so um, g- g- so, sorry about ever- the last five minutes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> really sorry. But, you know, you, you just probably heard how wrong we've gotten things, which might have been a little bit fun. I, I think that's fun. If we're completely wrong, I think our listeners will get a good laugh. Great, especially when Hanover wins. Anyways, uh, there's not going to be any ground-hopping advice uh, this week, as, uh, you know, Mike probably by at this time is listening to Forever or some other Volbeat song. So all that's left to do, basically, is to end the show. Uh, this was Talking Football Extra, the Ausstieg edition. This episode has been produced by Aiden Rentoul with the utmost of care. Jasmine, always a delight to have you on. Uh, please tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter. And by the way, can, that, can people find you on any other podcasts oh, in the yeah. not-too-distant future? Yeah, so... I mean, I want to listen some more to you. Okay. Without having, you know, to do all that talking myself. (laughs) Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber. And as Nick has alluded to so fancily, keep your eye out in the next two, three weeks. There is quite a exciting podcast project coming out about German football and yeah it's gonna be really really amazing I I would say so myself (laughs) but yeah really exciting it'll be really interesting and that should be coming out in the next two to three weeks so keep your eyes peeled on my twitter for that do that. My name is Nick Biltong. You can follow me on Twitter at Normusings. If you do like a good quiz, download the FC Quizzer because I'm doing all the questions there about German football for the Bundesliga quiz at least. And if you do want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do that at Talking Foosball. Make sure to leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you might download your podcast. Next up on this channel is Talking Foosball Direct with a review of what's been going on on match day 11 of the Bundesliga. Until then, it is goodbye for now.